This is the iMoveU podcast, getting you private practice ready. We give you fresh ideas on mindset, communication, and clinical skills so you can have a fulfilled career. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the iMoveU podcast. Today we've got a special guest. He may be our first returning guest. And after his first podcast, I don't think he thought he would ever get invited back. But we have Dave Renfrew, the pain weapon. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, man. I think um, I I really tried to behave myself that first time too. So I think I was always hoping for a return slot. But I'm glad that that you've extended the uh, opportunity, mate. So I appreciate it. Uh, You're always going to get another invite, mate. We all love you. (laughs) Feedback was great. Probably our most listened to podcast ever. Surely. Well, that would probably just be my mum just listening to it like 16 times, right? Just on loop. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, mate, we wanted to get you on for a specific reason. One, because you're an absolute weapon in helping people in pain, but also because there's so much debate always going on. And I really think you have an amazing view on it. So, essentially, that great debate in how to treat pain effectively. But we've talked about that the fact that everyone has such strong views and opinions in this debate is potentially the reason why everyone is missing the point. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at it, no matter what your degree is or what your bias is or what your favorite thing is or what you've been taught, when you look at it over the last however many years, 30, 40 years, fundamentally as we've treated persistent pain, particularly the the classic examples, low back pain, as we've treated it, it's gotten worse. So that's everyone, as everyone's done stuff to it, it's gotten worse. Now there's lots of reasons for that, but the, and look, I've, I've been in many of them myself. So I'm not, I'm not saying don't get on social media and, uh, you know, start, well, start arguing points, but eventually you just end up insulting people or maybe I just do that. But so don't, not that you don't debate it, but I think the whole thing is it, it misses the point of it, right? So the whole point is that what we've been doing hasn't really worked and we don't really know what does. So I just always find it funny that people can be so sure of what to do when that whatever that thing is, lots of times doesn't work, lots of times makes people worse and overall the problem continues to get worse. So I think, it, yeah, I mean, I think that dogmatic view of, of what you should do or shouldn't do or how it works or anything like that, I think as a rule, I'm always sceptical of anyone who says stuff like that because the fact is we just don't, we just don't know, right? Exactly. I think, as you said, the dogmatic view almost, yeah, it needs to be a certain way. Like the, the classic one always is manual therapy, right? And I don't think we'll go deep into just manual therapy, yes or no. But the fact that there are people who are 100% yes in all cases and 100% no in all cases, as you said, misses the point, right? Yeah, yeah. You're taking the the condition you're seeing out of it. Yeah. Yeah, because you've almost got... I find with that debate, when I enter into it, people misunderstand what what I'm saying too. Like I... I do it. Like I, I'm a critic of it. I'm, I'm probably on the, on the don't do it side of it, but 
not sorry, that's probably the wrong. I'm on the I'm on the I probably simplify it and it's either manual therapy is awesome or manual therapy sucks, right? So <laughs> yeah, I think it does suck, but but that doesn't mean I don't do it. So I think the reasons that you do it have to be that's the whole thing. It has to be person, patient centered. It can't be therapist centered. So if you do it because you think you're awesome at it and you think it fixes everyone and you've spent a hundred grand on training for it, then they're the wrong reasons. If you do it because the person in front of you thinks that that's what's going to help them and, and then you can get them to through that, you can get them to do other things that are better for them. And that's, that's the difference. So when, when, and even, even using the big example of say Adam Meekins, like even when he started saying that, I think that's what he meant that it does suck as a treatment, but that's the thing. Like everything does suck when you look at it in isolation and as, and across entire spans of populations, nothing is, is great because the problem's still massive. So so that's the whole point, right? That, that whether you're saying it's awesome or it's not, you're missing the point that whatever it is that you choose to do, it's not that thing that you do. It's probably more so how you do it and then what, your, what the end game is in terms of your interaction with that person and their life. And I think that's a much more important question to answer. Yeah, so powerful. In terms of as you said, like everything sucks in isolation and I a hundred percent agree. Like someone comes in and you just educate and that is it. That'll still be potentially poor outcomes. Yep. And I remember yep, speaking, to, speaking to Lorimer once and he's, and he talked about Lorimer Mosley and he talked about pain science and pain education. He's like, there's actually no good evidence for it unless you do it with exercise. Now, is it just exercise though? And, you know, there's further studies now that, that we referenced in our review where there was a study that looked at pain education. Now, you know, what they actually did in that could be up for debate, but they did two one-hour blocks of pain education compared it to active listening and had similar results. So do you now go, oh, do a study on exercise and active listening? And that's actually better than exercise and pain education. Like you just go down to so many rabbit holes around the nitty gritty. And like, it needs to be done. I get that. But as you said, like, everything in isolation sucks. How can we like just treat the person in front of you reason? Everyone has great reasoning skills, reason what you need to apply. And when it's not working, I think maybe this is the key when it's not working, be willing to change your approach. Absolutely. And I think that's the, if you're, if you're sort of, you know, when you, when you're approaching the person in pain, I think that ecosystem analogy is really good one. Like it's, you're dealing with that person's ecosystem. You're not dealing with their uh, their back or their brain or their spinal cord or their whatever. You're dealing with that person and their current experience of their pain in their life, right? So I think that approach as a therapist is really useful. Like you, you're, you've got access to this huge widespread of stuff that you can do and you can use any or all of it, but the thing that determines that isn't your sort of recipe. It's like, okay, appointment one, do this, appointment two, do this, use this technique, use this technique. You're able to then fit what you can do to that person. And you're probably going to even find lots of people that you're not even the best person to see them. Like I, I just find that all the time now. Like the people will, 
for whatever reason, some people will find me out thinking, oh, okay, so I, you know, treat people with pain and blah, 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 blah. And when I meet them in my head, I'm going, yeah, like this, um, this isn't going to work. Like it's, they don't, they probably, it's probably just that they find me, uh, you know, rude and, and, or overbearing or whatever it is, you know, they just don't like me. So that doesn't matter how much I know about stuff or how much I can tell them. If they don't want to hang out with me, it's not going to work. So it doesn't matter how super fantastic you are with any sort of tool or, or technique. The, the thing that's going to determine your success or not is, is way more complicated and, and in that ecosystem level, you know, it's like your ecosystem and their ecosystem have to match or, or at least agree with each other. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. It's, it's just so interesting to look back and, and or look over some of the discussions that happen online and where everyone, everyone talks from their own point of view, their own bias, their own narrative. And I get that. But even watching debates where you, you see two people debating two separate things, like it's the person that goes, but what about this part of the patient's ecosystem? You need to do it for this. And then the other person goes, but what about the other part that you need to do this? And instead of going, great, why don't we use both of these things? Because both things are part of the same person's ecosystem. They try and debate which one is the best and which one you should do. Yeah. And invariably, it just ends up as a pissing contest. Like, that's what it is. Like, it, it's when, when two people, and it's, it's amplified online because you can get away with saying shit that you can't get away with in person. Yeah, the, 100%. The, <laughs> the, you have many people who like, yeah, that's right. In two people, you get two people that like talking, particularly about either themselves or things that they're interested in, but don't like listening. It just gives them a, a megaphone to say whatever they want without actually taking into consideration what the other person's saying. So it's not a debate. A debate has to be where your response is measured against what that person has said. It just tend, it just turns into two people yelling. Like that's what it is. So, and, um, and I think the further that goes down that rabbit hole, the further away from the point of what we're trying to do, it gets like, we're trying to make what we do better for the people that are coming to see us. That's the thing. And I think you know, screaming at each other and like, I'm not, I'm again, like I said, I'm not saying don't do it. I do it better than most people. So, but it's really like, like you say, when you stop and look back and you go, right, what did I achieve there? And most of the time it's like, well, bugger all really. I just yelled at that dickhead and he yelled at me. <laughs> we all had a good time. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, as you said, so, this doesn't achieve much. So no, I guess from there, the reason why I guess we want to talk about this is because if you're a young health professional and you're seeing all this, like, bloody hell like what do i do right mm. like i don't everything Absolutely. everything has an argument i'm scared of asking a question because everyone wants to shoot me down or tell me to go read a thousand articles but we i think we both agree uh not necessarily just new grads but young health professionals you know your first three to five years even they've got all the skills already i think your favorite favorite line is new grads can save the world but how do they get Absolutely. past it Cause I agree. They've got the skills, but that hesitation is that fear to, to, to do and say things because of all this stuff going online. Yeah, I guess that could probably, um, 
I guess, inhibit them from venturing into asking questions online and, and getting a, you know, a, a response without fear of being shut down. But it probably is more than, and whether that's a factor or not, but, but certainly the, the consult with a persistent pain person can be pretty scary. Like you're invariably they've got shit, like everyone's got shit, right? But, but if you've been in pain for a long time, you've got some shit. There's no doubt about that. And that, that's a bit of a burden for you to, to temporarily handle. And I think it can, um, it can often sort of subvert you away from the, the, the framework in your head about what to do in your assessment and what you want to focus on and all those sort of things. You know, severe pain or persistent pain or, or scary other shit can sort of divert your attention from that. So, but funnily enough, I think that the, the things that clinicians have access to that can really help people in a lot of pain or, or have been in pain for a long time, it's not their, it's not their skill set. It's their, sorry, it's not their, it's not the things they were taught in at uni or courses about different, you know, ways to treat and stuff like that. It's, it's just that, it's that human stuff, right? So like, empathy is, empathy is gold. Like if you can, not sympathy. So it's not like, oh, you poor bastard. Like, you know, it's not, it's not giving them flowers and a box of tissues. It's really just being there with them at that time to listen to their story and, and just have a bit of a human connection about the fact that that must be really hard to have dealt with. And you can sort of see where, how they've got to this point, but then being a bit of a source of positivity and, and hope that things can get better. And I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a cynical old bastard and I, I have always found that bit hard, but I guess the thing to, to like, that's when you're a young uh, health professional, that's probably what you've got in spades, right? You've got enthusiasm. You've got that, the, um, I might get in trouble from Michael risk here, but I don't know any other way to say it. So I call it the capacity to give a fuck. Like that's the, yeah, that's the, that's the, uh, the, just the, if you've got that, then you're going to be a really good clinician, particularly with pain people, no matter what. And I think older clinicians have lost that capacity for, for what lots of different reasons there, you know, they're, I guess hearing, hearing pain stories a lot can, can be a bit of a, um, a burden to deal with or they've got other shit in their box, you know, that they're, they're worried about their business or their family or their blah, 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 blah. So, or they're tied to their, their methodology and their methodology is getting slammed by some dickhead from Newcastle on social media. So I think when you're, when it's, it's this weird dichotomy, right? Like when you're at the start, the, it's when your your I guess your skill set is maybe at its lowest, but your your capacity is might be at its highest. So I think that concentrating on that those human elements is is why you should be confident in doing it rather than rather than scared of it. You just makes sense. Of, yeah, <laughs> you've just come out of uni, all you've been doing is socializing, right? So you should be great yeah, at no, that's it. Yeah. It's just I mean, and humans have always, like, that's how we've always interacted. Like, it's stories, it's storytelling. So they're going to tell you a story and then you'll listen to it 
and then you might use some other stories to, to maybe change their slowly change their or give them different narratives, give different ideas that you might think about. And then you go and experiment with what might work because no one friggin' knows, no one knows. So, and, and things like even things like education and exercise and the hallmarks of modern pain care, even how they work, we don't know. So, you know, like I've, I've got a pretty decent gym set up in, in my clinic and we really like resistance training and that sort of stuff. I've seen plenty of very strong people, much stronger than me that have persistent pain. So it's not like it's, there are so many different things that you could do and everyone will probably need different, a different set of it. So um, the, the recipe thing, the, the, like the real toolbox approach to treating, I think is, is a bit flawed and it, I think it takes some focus away from what actually works, which is a lot of that more human stuff that, that um, we, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, it just gets maybe uh, not emphasized or, or drilled out of us or whatever it is, whatever happens. But it's, I think that's where uh, young clinicians can, can ace it. I think it's scary. Like I think it's scary to come out into a, into any health profession and almost say, look, yes, what I've learned is important there's going to be an element of how I interact as a human to will this person get better or not? Yeah. Like it's now like almost looking at it's no longer how good are my hands on skills that I can practice, but it's how good am I at connecting with a human? And if I suck at yeah. that, how do I practice that? Um, yeah. There are ways, but you come out of uni not knowing those ways. Uh, that's true. That's definitely true. And I think maybe that um, it's that, loss of that uh certainty you know so so uni gives you like yes you're so our example is as physios like you go to physio school and you're you were taught that you can fix everyone like that's just physio is the best you have you can fix everyone don't listen to anyone else blah 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 and then you get out and lots of things can happen like so you, you go to a practice where that's still the mentality and they throw lots of treatment at people and and maybe that treatment's not that good or you go somewhere else and you get you don't get a lot of help and you get swamped with lots of hard things and you sort of feel a bit disenfranchised or the third one is you just got to come to a and this is the important one i think and everyone gets to this point at some point and then really becomes quite effective after it is that they realize that that what like they're a little speck in this massive universe they're never gonna never gonna fix everyone and they get to that sort of comfort with the whole uncertainty of it so rather than that that being then debilitating and going on well well i guess maybe some people do like they go screw it i'm going to go and work in you know investment banking and make a billion dollars for shell or something like that yeah we've all seen that sort of (laughs) that's now doing something completely different right yeah and good on them that's that's fine you know so but i think that getting to the realization like pulling off that that cliff of i know everything you you then go right well i don't know everything but i know a fair bit and i can i can do some pretty cool stuff here and let's let's fucking do it like let's have a crack you know because it's 
persistent pain and low back pain, whichever one you want to do, like it's everyone's business. Like it is costing us as a species a huge amount year on year. So, I mean, it's, it's in everyone's best interest to get better at it. So um, whether you've been practicing for a minute or you know a decade, I think that having an interest in what happens to people is a good thing. And I think we're not just physios now, like any, any sort of clinicians, allied health clinician in particular is really well placed to do that. And there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can do, even if we don't know how we, we best do it. I agree. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think I'm, I'm very impressed in how, how deep we're going here, Dave. I thought this, this podcast could either be a real ranty or real, real deep and we've gone, gone the ladder. I, yeah, I maybe love- I'm feeling a bit more, I don't know, a bit more uh, sort of oxytocin-y this morning, a bit more <laughs> loving, you know, holding hands rather than soapboxing and, and uh, screaming at people that they're dickheads. <laughs> I love it. I, I especially love what you said about being comfortable in uncertainty. And I think even just when you said it, I think that really defines how you go later in your career, right? Like if you do well in your first five years, 10 years, and all of a sudden there becomes uncertainty around what you're doing. So let's say, yeah, new research comes out and says what you're doing isn't best practice anymore. Or I don't know, you just your own uncertainty. You're not getting the same results that you thought you used to get. If you're not comfortable with that and maybe the add-on is the having the ability to adapt and be flexible with what you do then maybe that's where it leads to that kind of uh i won't say older but (laughs) jaded therapist that really just isn't enjoying life and isn't enjoying practice anymore yeah and like you see it all the time just that inability to like a lack of cognitive flexibility yeah so so when you're treating people with long-term pain they they will all have certain beliefs and and thoughts and a lot of that has been given to them by the medical and health system so part of what you're trying to do gradually is is sort of uh break up a few of those maybe less than helpful things that they've they've come to believe about themselves and reframe it in a way that's a bit more uh positive and and the future is a bit brighter yeah so that's a really that's a big ask that's, that's yeah. why you can't do it in one session. You can't, you know, you can't come in and go, oh, you've got low back pain. Okay, most of it will, will get better after six weeks, no matter what you do. Um, here's a bunch of resources. Go away and read them and you'll be fine. That doesn't work with humans because they have got this mountain of shit that they've got in their head from wherever else that you just have to tap away at gradually. And that's really tricky to do. It's pretty straightforward, but it's, it is tricky. So as a clinician, if you don't have that cognitive flexibility to move with over time as things evolve, how can you expect the person in front of you to do it? So I think having that in us first, like being aware enough of things that what you, what you can and can't say or do with certainty, what, what, we, what we know and what we don't know, and just being comfortable to to evolve as it evolves. Um, I mean, even what we talk about now, like BPS frameworks and blah, 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 that would be different. That would change. Like it's, it's not saying it's wrong. It's just realizing that it's the best of what we've got and it will be, get better in the future. 
which is what we're asking our patients to to do from a treatment point of view. So, so good, mate. It, it'll evolve, right? And we need to evolve yeah. with it. That's it. So, so that's why I'm like skeptical of any, anyone that's got the answer or the cure or they put their last name in front of some method that fixes everything. My bullshit meter just goes up to like 150 gazillion. It's like, mate, you, you just crack a joke. Like there is no friggin' way you have got the answer. It's, it's mind boggling that, I don't know, people, they, they get comfortable with a certain way of doing things and then they think, oh, I'll, I'll package this up and put my face on it and I'll sell it. And, but it's just, it's crap. Like that probably in a slight little tangent in terms of like courses and stuff to do, if anything's got method at the end of it, I'd just, I'd run for the hills. <laughs> if you package the method, I'd sign up. The Renfrew method. Yeah. It'll just be like, it'll just be a weekend of booze and, and talking like this. So if you came to do that and pay me for it, then let's do it. But uh, I'd do that for free. So <laughs> like, there's lots of courses that I think they teach you how they teach you the framework. They teach you the, the, the ideas and the evidence and all of that sort of stuff, but they sort of leave it open. And I think that, that, that's where I would be spending my money as a, as a young clinician on courses. It's the, the how, not necessarily the what. It's the, exactly. It's, it's the quote, uh, the great Shane Davis, of run it through your filter. It's mm. Josh Nobito, not do I know this, but how good am I at this? That's, that's the it. environment you want to be in and, and that's the, the way forward. That's where growth's going to happen. Yeah. And that doesn't change either. Like if anything, it, the, the further you go, the more you realize how little you do actually know. But the weird reverse of that is that it actually, you know, for me personally, like that just gives me more and more confidence and, and then the drive to then go and well, let's, let's do something about it. Like let's, no one has an answer. So let's, I may as well try and make stuff a bit better because no one, no one can tell me that I'm wrong. You know, so I may as well have a crack. I totally agree. Totally agree. So, so Dave, I'm going to give you the tough challenge now. How do we summarize what we've just gone over for the last half an hour or whatever it's been? Try, let's try that, to let's sum up with three points. Three points. This isn't my strong suit, mate. Give me All the right, little I'll, bit. I'll go first. I'm going to go okay. right at the start. You talked about, well, I think throughout, you've talked about be careful of anything dogmatic you know, or yeah. it needs to be a certain way. I think that's probably a nice look out for that. If, if someone's got the answer, they definitely don't have the answer. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's it. I think that's it there. And then I guess the other one is that the think of, think of frameworks rather than recipes. Like you want, you want a structure to how you approach stuff. So it's, so you're not just like stumbling in the dark. You want to have a logical structure, but it's not, it's not recipe based. It's not step one, step two, step three. It's like, these are the things that, that, I'm going to, I need the information from them and I'm going to fill my framework with that. And then out of that comes the plan. So yeah. re- framework rather than recipe, I think is another one. And then probably just adding to that, like the, as you said, you need structure and probably towards the end, we talked about how to not become so jaded as you go on as a health professional. It's have that flexibility. So have structure, but have flexibility to move on and move with change. Because yeah. they will. Things will always yeah. That's it. 
and just not only not only just getting comfortable with it but embrace it like there are literally no friggin' rules like if you can if you can come up with an idea and justify it somehow and it's it's ah well look there's probably a disclaimer there like you can't just do whatever the hell you want and charge people for it like but when it's coming in terms of what to do like what where do we go from here you've got as much chance of of working that out as anyone so like that just excites the shit out of me like i'm just like right so what do we want to do about it and and there's plenty of people around that are thinking the same thing and i think that um that 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 framework to change stuff i think that is that's accelerating if if anything and it's you know it's it's just really cool like i think it's uh graduating now you've got more opportunity and and more scope to make a massive difference than than i reckon ever before yeah get excited get excited that's right i'm excited i'm excited that we've had you back on our podcast uh (laughs) thank you very much for your time and for your worries man uh i think think we'll have to do a part three at some point with the pain yeah well all good things come in trilogies mate uh, yes, of course, of course. Now, thank, thanks yeah. once again, mate. Uh, for the listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed Dave Renfrew and myself uh, having a chat about pain, all things pain, I think, in the end. I don't know how I can best summarise that. But uh, <laughs> leave, us some, leave us some questions. I'm sure there'll be lots of them, but we're more than happy to answer them. Uh, thanks for listening once again, guys. What a time to be alive. This is the iMoveU podcast, getting you private practice ready. We give you fresh ideas on mindset, communication, and clinical skills so you can have a fulfilled career.